Welcome back to Eldritch Girl. This is part 15. Uh, 13th is All Rights Reserved to C.M. Rosens. The theme tune is by Gemma Cartmel, and the five original illustrations in the ebook and paperback are by Thomas Brown. In this episode, um, we have chapter 9, part 3, and chapter 10, part 1. <laughs> um, so this is uh, Ricky point of view to start off with. So we have depression spiral, alcohol relapse, and some more of uh, the Ricky Wes dynamic, which involves a little bit of reflection on their past kind of uh, relationship and how, how that dynamic has worked. In chapter 10, part one, which is the Katie point of view, um, there's an on-page panic attack, bereavement and grief and working through that, but also the realisation that... Um, Katie has been manipulated by a maternal figure that she's trusted um, and so there's the working through of that as well. There's also references to drug taking. I think that's about it. So this is kind of a, a more sad part I guess. Um, so yeah good luck with it. Here is 13th part 15. Chapter 9 part 3. 14th of January. Merlin Sylvestris never needed to change his shape to see the future. He'd never be that good. Getting Katie to kill him was a gamble, and his head was scrambled still from the thrust of the poker and the fact he didn't know what was going to happen. It was time to enact another ritual. He'd need another body bag of entrails to rip open, and then the mistress would get upset. Catherine, too, most likely. He'd have to be careful about it and get some twat out walking alone, not college age, but even then... Even then, what was the fucking point? That thought, the tail end of a bitter tirade, brought him up short. He stopped walking. Ricky found himself facing the long barrow and barrow field, hands in his pockets. He'd walked the long way around, taking his time, avoiding the chase where his father lurked somewhere in the trees. What was the point? He hadn't asked himself that since... Hell's bells and buckets of blood... Ricky ground his teeth and picked the lock on the gate which barred entry. The long barrow's energy thrummed with his, a familiar pull that forced his beauty to the surface like rippling hernias. What's the point? What sort of question is that? He patted his stomach, reassuring himself that his glory was still there. That was the point. He'd done it. He'd won. He'd got what he wanted. Now he was going to make sure the family got what was coming to them, that none of them escaped their weird, that everything would be as he had foreseen. I'm an agent of fate, me. That's all. That's the point. It felt hollow. It had no right to feel hollow. He didn't know why. Brain's a mess, that's all. But he didn't like Wes being in his space. He didn't like how casually he fitted into the grandeur. And he didn't like how quickly Fairwood had taken to Catherine. If she went back on her word and put him on the list on purpose, how was he supposed to stop her? Why wouldn't she? She was probably as bad as the rest of them. He squeezed through the gate and into the last resting place of the prehistoric chieftains, long crumbled to dust and buggered about with by antiquarians, archaeologists and his own nosy ancestors. The barrow was large and deep, dark and quiet. It was the only other place, aside from Fairwood House, that he felt truly at peace. The strange symbols carved into the stones inside had long interested scholars and the heritage busybodies who preserved it these days, but Ricky did give a shit what they meant. 
They used to be the only things he could properly feel under his acid-burned fingertips, but now his skin was renewed each time he changed, and the acid burns were gone. The symbols stung him now as he traced them in the dark, running his hand over the stones leading into the main burial chamber. His hand hit the loose stone. He didn't mean to do it. Just curiosity was all. He dug his fingers in and dragged the stone out, letting it thud onto the dirt. The vodka was still there, in a packet he hadn't needed for years. It wasn't as if it really mattered. He didn't need to be an ascetic to see the future, not any more. He descended now, he could do what he wanted. What's the point? He wasn't going to drink it. He pulled the bottle out to see if it was full or not, to see if anyone had found it. It was still sealed, still full. Put it back, then. He put it down and replaced the stone. Left the drugs, didn't I? That's something. He wasn't going to drink it. It had been there since... He frowned. Since the last time he thought, what the fuck is the point, and almost lost his farsight on purpose. Except he hadn't done it, had he? No, he'd gone and lit a bonfire instead and cut open some girl he'd found, read his own future in the steaming guts and it had all been worth it. And it had all come to pass, hadn't it? He'd got everything he wanted. Now what the fuck do I do? Not the vodka, that was for sure. He was above that. Ricky made his way by instinct and memory through the pitch dark of the passage to the main chamber of the ancient tomb, taking the bottle with him. Wes could get bent. Who the fuck did he think he was, swanning in and giving her the eye, measuring for curtains? She was his. She was his house. He'd wanted her ever since he was fucking five. He'd spent hours of his life wishing she'd let him in. He was supposed to have her to himself, but those bloody birds said otherwise, and now look what had happened. He'd even invited them both in himself, so it was his own bloody fault. The irony of that, eh? Can't complain. The cap came off with a good hard wrench, and he lost it somewhere in the dirt in the darkness. Fuck em. He'd forgotten what vodka tasted like. Each swallow filled his mouth with memories and burned on the way down. This a private party, or can anyone join in? His cousin's voice slid through his head, fish-knife blunt. Ricky nearly choked, spilling the spirits on the floor, and wiped his mouth on his sleeve. What are you doing here? The forgettable silhouette slipped into the gloom away from the dim daylight filtering through the gate at the end of the passage, and was lost in the shadows. Followed you. Wes wasn't where Ricky expected him to be. Swearing under his breath, he sent out tendrils to find the vodka cap, backing up to where he knew the stone wall was. What for? A soft breath on the side of his neck made him jump. Wanted to apologise. Guessed you'd come here. A denial was on the tip of his tongue, but so was the taint of alcohol, and his lips were tingling. He swallowed it down, cheeks burning. Wes chuckled. Relax, I won't tell anyone. It's not like you need to be an ascetic any more, right? I was a dick earlier, anyway. A pause. His cousin swam vaguely in front of his eyes, in and out of his memory as he blinked, making him dizzy. Ricky shifted his weight to counteract it and tried to focus on something else. You know what to do next, right? Wes asked. He hadn't got the faintest idea. The bones were silent, the omens vague, the family were restless, and he could see through enough eyes now that he was pretty sure they weren't about to do anything surprising, but without clear guidance he had no idea what to do even if they did stage a coup. Since all the future he needed to see involved himself, it was a blur, hidden from him. He wouldn't admit to any of that in a million years. I can open the portal again, yeah.
If you want, I can take you out, Wes said. We can go to the pub or something. I'll stand you an orange juice. Ricky shifted back until he was sure he was more than an arm's length away from his invisible cousin, and a tendril tasted vodka on something hard and round in the dirt behind him. He retrieved the screw-top and tried to replace the cap without making it obvious. Yeah? Why would you do that? Because you don't drink, do you? Shit me. Ricky sagged. Can't, anyway. Banned from a mall. What, still? Nah, bound to be somewhere they won't care. The mermaid's changed hands. We could try that. Wes seemed closer, and Ricky tried to pinpoint him in the dark, but as soon as he stopped speaking, he could be anywhere. His lips had gone numb. His brain was shutting down slowly, sinking into a buzzing miasma. He cursed himself. Don't fancy it. Wes snorted. Right, you'd rather get pissed in the dark on your own. What the fuck do you care? I don't. I... Wes sighed. Mate, come on. For Katie, yeah? Can you just keep it together for another few days while she sorts her head out? I'd appreciate not being hammered with a poker again, honestly. Then I'll fucking join you. It was the mate that got him most. Wes had always had a way of sliding under your skin, even before he changed. Ricky fought the rising urge to down the whole bottle out of spite and smash a smug bastard's face in. But the mistress wouldn't like it. He dropped the bottle and scuffed it out of his way. He hadn't had that much, by the sounds of it. It sounded at least half full. See? Nah, I'm all right. Don't you worry, I wouldn't show you up in public. Wes hung back. Didn't think you... He hesitated, and Ricky's guts gave a cold twist. Didn't think you had any at all. I mean, I thought you were doing really well. Patronising prick. Disappointed. Every muscle was tense now. He fought his breaths, concentrating on the tension in his jaw and keeping his fists balled tightly. No. Wes's tone was too slippery to hang on to, but it left him mollified. Not at all, no. It's... I, um... I'm really sorry. I didn't... Ricky wasn't sure if the spirits had made him nauseous or if that was just nerves. Being alone with Wes was never a comfortable experience, for reasons he had never bothered to pin down. His thoughts ran aground. Piss off. Now both sanctuaries were desecrated. He may as well sleep in the bloody chase and take his chances with the old man. Knock the door and watch his mother's face fall when she opened it and saw him standing there. Why the fuck not? Wes followed him along the passage, keeping his distance. It wasn't meant to be a lecture. Fuck knows I can't lecture anyone. Yes, I can keep it together, Ricky snapped, wishing he would disappear. Of course I can. You still make that herbal stuff, to take the edge off? Ricky shook his head. He'd given most of it to the mistress when she'd been alive, and since moving in he hadn't really needed any. His stores of most things were low, as it happened. He didn't ought to need them anyway, not now he was a god. Want me to get you anything? Wes was closer, and Ricky headed back through the gate with half a mind to lock him in. Not that it would do any good. Wes was as good at picking locks as he was. He gave up, chest hollow and numb. What do you want for it? Nothing. I want you to help our Katie, so I'm not dead meat, that's enough. Ricky scowled, his glory stirring within him. I don't need anything off of you. Wes shrugged. Let me talk to her, then. Give her some space to calm down tonight, but let me have a good chat with her tomorrow, and we'll see if we can, you know. I think I should stick around, remind her of all the times I babysat when she was a kid, looked after her. 
I reckon I can bring her around to seeing your way of thinking with Gran if you give me a chance. I shouldn't have dropped you in it there. That was cowardly, and I only did it because Uncle Marcus... Is this because I didn't go to school? You say and I don't know the right things to say. Wes gave him a look. Mate, no one's saying you don't have a way with words. It's just, it's not always a way people want to go. Ricky scoffed, but his brain caught up with his ears. Uncle Marcus what? He rang me and said his memory cleared. Oh, yeah. Ricky knew what Uncle Marcus had done. The threat against Wes's, whatever they were. He'd seen that through Uncle Marcus's eye. He ought to change fully again in order to open that particular eye and scan his uncle's future ideas, the things he was going to see, going to do. He thought he had got the hang of it now, as long as he could fast-forward the bits with Auntie Ida and her fronds in them. His stomach lurched, queasy at the idea. Bloody hellfire, Catherine and her weak stomach was rubbing off on him. The wind sliced across his face as they exited the tomb, grass still frosted in patches and tufts, despite it being a clear, bright day. The winter sun was low in the sky for just gone noon, reminding him of last January, when he bought the bloody spirits in the first place with Grand's shopping money. She hadn't been pleased, but she hadn't said anything. What was the point? He was back to that, then, the spiral ready to go again, and at the bottom of it was some kind of oblivion, and fuck knew he'd missed that. Hey! Wes caught up to him, bumping his arm. I mean it. I'll take you out. We can have a chat, you know? I... I think we ought to. If I'm going to be staying, it's not just her that has house rules, is it? It's your place too. And we haven't... I appreciate I'm the last person you want to spend time with. Don't flatter yourself. His teeth chattered, though he wasn't that cold. He ground them together, locking his jaw. I got none against you. It wasn't ever personal. Wes snapped the padlock back in place behind them and shook his head. Felt fucking personal. Ricky sighed, but the tension was bone marrow deep. We really going to do this again? My fucking face is fucking personal. He regretted leaving the vodka behind. Believe what you like. Wes overtook him with longer strides, pivoted on his flashy leather shoes and walked backwards. Ricky tried not to look at him, that bitter smile sliding in and out of focus. Fine, all right, fair enough, history's history. It's now that matters. Grandad's sake, does he ever shut up? I got people relying on me, yeah? What happens to them if they don't get to see me any more? What happens to Charlie? I can't have... Nothing is going to happen to her because of me, right? Nothing. Wes stopped dead, blocking Ricky's way. I've got things. People I don't want to lose. I know you know how that feels. Ricky froze. He opened his mouth and his teeth chattered in the knife-edge chill, and the words got stuck somewhere behind all the pictures, layering up into a solid wall in his head. "'No cocky bullshit?' Wes asked, hands thrust deep into the pockets of his coat. "'I bought that coat,' Ricky realised. "'I bought him that, and everything he stood up in. "'That was me. He got that all off of me.' He squared his shoulders, sticking out his chest. "'I don't want you staying long.' I want things back to normal. What the fuck's normal? Wes asked dryly. Ricky giggled in spite of himself. He was starting to feel light-headed. Wes's smile turned sly. Or at least that was the fleeting impression it made, and Ricky was left wondering if he'd made it up. Suspicion pricked through him. How does it work for you? Wes asked. Seeing the future and entrails, bones, all that. Ricky paused. Wes had never once taken an interest in how it worked before. He only cared that it did. Why? Curious. 
Ricky frowned, in the mood to be deliberately obtuse. I see what I see, except when I don't. But now I see more or less what I want to all the time. So it's like a vision. Bloody hellfire, he's persistent. No, more like I read the signs and I remember. Where's Sniggered? Like a memory, just forwards. It wasn't quite like that at all, but he just wanted to get home again. Not that it was peaceful there, with Catherine the Great sulking in her room, or Wes now lurking around, running his grubby hands over things that didn't belong to him, but at least it was temptation-free, and the mistress gave him space to clear his head. Something like that. What do you want to know for? Wes shook his head. Just realised I never asked. I've been thinking about it, like how I ought to have been the one and only, how that didn't work out. Doesn't it, doesn't it strike you as odd that we're the only three single births in the whole family? And we're porters, not purebreds. Ricky rubbed the back of his neck. Wes taking an interest in his birthright for the first time in 29 years was not going to end well. That was instinct kicking in, not the vodka. He hadn't had that much of it, and the mistress wouldn't be able to tell by the time he got back home and Wes wouldn't say any. He cleared his throat. There's none wrong with being a porter. No, of course not. Wes ran his hands over his oversized collar, jewelled brooch twinkling and catching Ricky's eye. I'm not going to say anything, by the way, if you're worried, about... Wes jerked his head at the long barrow. I wouldn't do that. Ricky forced a smile, trying not to think about the times Wes had dropped him in it for point scoring with Granny Wend, but that had been years ago and they weren't kids any more. You're up to something, Wesley. I know you. You don't trust me, do you? Wes shrugged, brooch glinting in the dull sunlight and started walking. That's all right. I wouldn't trust me either. They walked back the shorter way to the house in silence, Ricky making sure there was a good distance between them. But Wes never tried anything. There was no sign of George Porter lurking in the trees, but if the old man didn't want you to know he was there, even Ricky wouldn't always sense it. He wouldn't admit it, but he didn't think he was top of his game now, anyway. Just as well. He stumbled as if to prove his own point. Wes caught his arm. He hadn't even noticed they were walking level with each other, or he had, but forgotten... Wes held on to him a little longer than necessary. Ricky's numbed skin tingled. Do you ever think about... Wes started to ask, soft and low, and Ricky shrugged him off. No. It was an obvious lie. He shook his head. Sometimes. Wes nodded. Me too. Sometimes. Ricky nodded, head swimming unpleasantly. I'm going to have a lie down. The wire fence of Fairwood's back garden hove into view through the trees, the relief surged inside him, leaving him aching with tiredness. I'll sort Catherine out with the portal, we'll get her back there, we'll we'll fix it. But I just need a... It ain't easy coming back after brain death and going straight into a full body change, let me just say that. Wes nodded and let him go first. Safe and sound, he announced, and Ricky's cheeks burned. Of course Wes had done this for her, gone after him for her, was worming his way into her good books and bringing him home like a stray. I didn't need you to bring me back, he snarled. Wes kept out of punching range, light-footed in those flashy shoes despite the mud spoiling the leather. Want me to tuck you in, sweetheart? Prick. He couldn't hit him with the mistress watching. Buoyed by the light-headed fog settling inside his skull, Ricky marched back to the house, furious with Wes, his family, and himself. Chapter 10. Heart of Darkness It was written I should be loyal to the nightmare of my choice. 
Joseph Conrad, Heart of Darkness. 15th of January Katie lay in bed hugging her favourite pillow, thinking about all the missing posters in college and running through her list in her head, along with all the things she hadn't done. She hadn't had dinner the night before, or managed breakfast this morning. She hadn't been for a proper run in fuck knew how long. She hadn't done two assignments for college, and the deadline for one of them had already gone. She was a failure. Gran had wanted her to be better than this. Katie cuddled the pillow tighter, turning onto her side. She'd have to go back through the portal and face the throne and Grandad himself, maybe, and explain she couldn't do it. What was it that she was most afraid of, and how do you just turn it off? It was dawning on Katie that she had been afraid for most of her life. Her family had made her afraid, by design. When Gran wasn't around, they chipped away at her, controlling what she wore, who she spoke to, which events she went to, and when she... Katie bit her lip. When she'd complained to Gran... What had Gran said? Of course they do. You're only a child. Gran knew best. Gran knew everything. Gran knew. Katie swallowed hard. Gran knew. She'd always known. And she'd let it happen. Gran had let it happen, and then offered Katie the only place of safety left. Wonderwick where Gran could keep a closer eye on her, train her, make suggestions. Who had said, you're getting more and more like your Auntie Janie every day? And Katie had dreamed of Auntie Janie. Who had said, you'd better be careful of that temper or you'll end up like Harry Shaw? And Katie had dreamed of Harry Shaw. Katie shivered, the blanket's too thin. Had Ricky been right this whole time? Who had warned her off him, anyway? reminded her of how he'd ruined her birthdays whenever his name came up, had never said a kind word about him until he turned up with various things she'd asked for, things you couldn't buy in a shop, and then she was all sweetness and approval. Her chest hurt. She tried sitting up, fighting to breathe, but an invisible dead weight crushed the air out of her. Katie had never been afraid of becoming Ricky. They were poles apart, it just wasn't possible, and he had never been on the list. Had Gran wanted her to dream about him too? Wait, that's it. She struggled to take proper breaths, shaking and forcing herself to count in her head as she inhaled and exhaled. But it was like something kept buffering in her head and she couldn't focus on the numbers. Her fingers tingled, the pillow barely registering beneath them. What can I see? What can I hear? What can I feel? I can't feel anything. Shit, shit, shit. Katie rocked, trying to get a grip on her world. Everything was slipping away and hanging on was like trying to catch shards of glass. Something inside her was dying, and she couldn't save it. After ten minutes of hell, she wasn't dead, and the pain in her chest eased. Someone knocked the door. Her anxiety spiked again. Go away! It's just me, Wes said, his tone slipping in and out of her head. Don't you want any breakfast? Katie shook her head at the door, forgetting it was shut and he couldn't see through it. Katie? Just something small? Can we at least talk? She shuddered. I'm not... I don't want anything. There was silence. She strained to hear his footsteps, walking away, but he wasn't going anywhere. Hey, so... Do you remember that time I babysat for you and you were sick and I didn't know how to scramble eggs for you so I nicked Mum's cash out of the drawer for pizza and I told her I'd spent it on weed? 
she snorted despite herself. I was thinking about that is all. You had those cute pyjamas. You wouldn't wear anything else to bed and I didn't know how to wash them properly and that was the first time you went to bed in a onesie instead. You got me that onesie for Christmas, Katie remembered. He laughed through the wood. You remember? She hugged the pillow tighter, not answering. Why am I on the list, Kate? There was a slithering sound, as if he had slid down the door and was sat outside. She swallowed. Kate? Katie? You still in there? She cringed at the soft wrap of knuckles on oak. He didn't touch the handle, though. Katie stared at it, unblinking. It didn't move. I just want to know. Katie found her voice. Do you really want me to die? Now it was his turn to be silent. She tried to picture him the other side of the door, but could only focus on details of his favourite shirt, the creases on his designer jeans. I didn't mean to, he said eventually. I just... Yeah, all right, I voted against you. I'm sorry, I'm an arsehole, but I'm not... I haven't got a death wish, not any more, and I've felt bloody awful about it ever since, if that helps. Not really, but thanks. He sighed. Can I come in, or... No. She stared at the handle, but it didn't move. She pursed her lips. I want some time by myself. Sure. Still no sound of movement, no footsteps walking away. Sure, but... I just want to know. I mean, I figured I was going to be on there. I'm not anyone's definition of strong, but... I was there for you, wasn't I? And I've been thinking, wasn't that strong in a different kind of a way? She couldn't answer him. The silence was awful. Katie didn't know what to say, but she thought he might be crying. She wasn't sure why she thought that. Something in his voice, maybe, that she couldn't quite remember. It's not that, she said, her pillow a barrier between herself and the door. It's nothing to... It's nothing to do with strength. What then? What did I do that was so weak or so bad or so... What did I do? Katie shook her head, pulling herself up against the wall. I don't know. She rolled her eyes and talked to the ceiling. I... I just... It was all getting a bit much. Going out and stuff. We were going out every night and... Whoa, whoa, who's we? What's this? Wes flung her door open, but stayed in the doorway. This is over the summer, right? We all got fake IDs. Katie had been dreading telling him about the Rorschach and the Twilight, the two clubs that her friends had been getting into regularly. He could be such a hypocrite. Just a few mates, you know, we were just... How many times? Do as I say, not as I do. Wes faced her, arms folded. You're a smart girl, you don't have to do the same fuck off. Katie shook her head. We just go dancing. Sometimes we take stuff. It's not a big deal. Katie, you don't get to preach to me. She wasn't taking a sermon from him, and the scorn poured off every syllable with more venom than she intended. Although she forgot his expression, the twist of guilt it caused stayed with her. Oi! All right, bloody hell, I don't want you to be like me, do I? You can go to uni and see the world and... Fuck it, I'll pay for you to go. I said I would. Go travelling in that. Do what you want. You're a clever kid. That's why... He broke off. Shit. Katie nodded. Yeah, 
I think that's why I dreamed of you. Every bone she had was made of lead. She sumped down, not looking at him, not feeling anything but heaviness, too tired for anything else. I thought I was turning into you. I don't want to end up just... It's so fucking shallow. It's boring. I don't want to be your age and not have anything to show for it and not have made my own anything. Like, what have you even done? Ricky gave you some winning tickets and you just... Like, what do you do every day? Wes was silent. Katie hated the sound of her own voice, a flat monotone. I was just... I didn't want to think any more, and then I was so scared, I was so scared I couldn't stop. She rested her cheek on her pillow, stroking it and barely registering it against her skin. And I... I dreamed of you. But not him. She heard the crack in his voice and forgot it. No. She shook her head. Not him. Not Dad. Not Mum. I can't imagine being like them. But everyone else. Katie shivered. I can't... Maybe. I can't remember what it was. What it was about them, I mean, must have been something. Something someone said, or something they did. She frowned. Gran... Gran said to me, What about cousin so-and-so? Wouldn't you like to be like them when you grew up? <laughs> she swallowed sharply. Gran... Gran said stuff like that a lot. Yeah... Wes was watching her. She liked to pit us all against each other. Katie didn't want to hear this again, not now. Can you go away now, please? I know why you're on there. I can get over it, I guess. I don't know. Just, I just need to be on my own. You really want to know what I do every day? Wes dug his shoulder into the jaw jam. I do whatever the fuck I want. I have the life I want to live, yeah? I set it up so that I don't have to do a day's work I don't want to do. I have two people who love me to death, fuck knows why, and I spend all my time trying to make them happy and be as supportive a partner as I know how to be, and Christ knows that's not very much, but I try. He ran out of breath and inhaled deeply. You don't need to worry about turning out like me, love. But I hope that you get to live the life you want, not the same one that I've got. We're different people, I get that. I want you to live the life you want. I hope you can be like me in that way. That's all. He nodded, voice cracking again. That's all I want for you. Before she could say anything back, he spun away and strode off, first out of sight, then out of earshot. Katie didn't have any words for a long time. They buzzed in her head too fast to catch. Her lip quivered. She instinctively went for her phone to call Rachel. The battery, which had been at 70%, was now at two. No, no, no. Katie forced herself to get up and find her charger. No, let me. Katie screamed. Carrie was in the room as if she'd melted through a wall. Sorry? Carrie didn't look human for a moment. There was something wrong with her skin. It rippled, going from wood grain to a smoother plastered texture, and Katie closed her eyes. She was seeing things now as well. Her heart juddered violently. Oh, my God, don't do that! Carrie took the phone and cradled it in her hands. The screen lit up with a charging symbol. Katie blinked. I... I need to call my friend. Carrie nodded. Not your mum? What the fuck would she do? 
Katie threw herself back onto the bed, wishing she was a kid again, and Graham would come and take her away for a sleepover. The only peace she ever had was at Wonderwick. Auntie Ruby had taken Toffee the cat, although Katie had begged to keep him. Mum had said no. Carrie sat on the bed and stroked her back. It'll be all right. No one can hurt you here. Can I stay here? Katie tried to sound mature, but it came out damp and high. Oh, great, now she was crying. Perfect. As long as you like, but on one condition. Katie guessed what that was. I won't put Ricky on the list. I already promised that. Just making sure. Carrie gazed at her with windowpane eyes, and Katie thought she could see faces in them that walked the corridors of the strange woman's mind like ghosts. Want me to stay? Katie shrugged. Carrie was oddly calming. Like the house. She glanced at her phone in Carrie's hand and saw to her amazement that the battery had gone back up to 30% already. How, how are you doing that? Practice. Carrie smiled at her. The smile was warm, and if not entirely human, was certainly humane. You coming for something to eat? Not yet. The panic attack had left her nauseous again, and she didn't want to spend a day throwing up as well. Carrie nodded. Understood. Did you ever get like this when you were, um, like, when you were alive? She wasn't sure if that was the right word, and a spike of worry jazzed through her in case she'd fucked it up. Carrie grinned. I didn't do well around people sometimes. I'm honestly not surprised you had a panic attack. I'm more surprised you didn't have one yesterday, to be honest, but now you've done really well. I don't feel like I'm doing well, Katie muttered at her lap. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to face my fear. I'm going to fuck this up and end up in the fucking throne with the last thirteenth and Gran and... The panic was welling back up, the tightness in her chest increasing again. Carrie's hand rubbed her back, firm and smooth, and Katie found herself leaning into the embrace of a safe, warm space where she could hide forever. She managed a deeper breath and inhaled the scent of a garden like Gran's, mingled with old books and sun-warmed wood and leather. "'I really miss Gran,' she whispered and started to cry. "'Is that... is that wrong? I don't... I don't even know any more.' Carrie held her as she dissolved into sobs, and even as she bawled her eyes out into the strange woman's cushion-soft chest, Katie felt safe for the first time since Gran's murder. <laughs> ¶¶